All right. Um, I'm here with Kyle Smith, the only person I know in town who's taller than me and by a significant amount and feels really nice. Yeah. And what are you, six, three, six, five? I'm six, four ish on like a good day, oh. but I think, I think my okay. back is, is rounding as I get older, but um, anyway, yeah, Kyle is a amazing art graphic designer and just overall rad artistic person. And uh, today we're going to talk about some uh, secret government programs during the Cold War related to aviation and military technology and all that sort of dope shit. So Kyle, do you want to yeah. kind of take it away and say, explain why this, in, this has kind of caught your, caught your interest lately? So in, in January 10th, 2018, mm -hmm. um, Donald Trump in front of a, what's it called, like a junket? Like a real junket. Quick, um, real quick, before you start, I just want to show off the shirt that I'm wearing. Very I want sick. to believe. Fox Mulder is an icon for a generation of men. Yeah. And full, yeah. So January 10th, 2018, Donald Trump, former president Donald Trump, mm -hmm. mind you. Did you see his, did um, you see his CPAC speech today? I was just, I'm just curious. I didn't, I didn't I, watch it. I watched like 30 seconds. He just said, the first thing he comes out and says is he goes, did you, uh, did you miss me? <laughs> it was just so, it was just so oh ridiculous. <laughs> I love that impersonation. Do you want to try that just one more time? Uh, did you, I can't do Trump. Did you miss uh, me? Yeah, that wasn't. Uh, you got to like put the hands in it too. Like, did you miss me? Oh, I, I can't, can't do it either. Yeah, it's, you just got to really like kind of dumb yourself down. You just got to imagine that you're a kid from New York who's been psychologically abused by his father to really get that accent. It's kind of hard. Yeah, but like it gets you like a penthouse, like on the 92nd mm -hmm. floor of the Chrysler building. Yeah, did, you, did you watch it because you wanted to see what he looked like after all this time? <clears throat> yeah. Like, I eating think all those steaks at Mar-a-Lago and his yeah, retirement. All the, all, the, all the fast food that he eats. Um, I watched it. Mo I'm just curious. I, I mean, I don't like Trump, but I find him. I think he's fascinating as like a historical figure. And I, I honestly kind of yes. wanted to. I honestly yeah. kind of wanted to come come and uh, and see if he if he was gonna really double down on this third. You know, creating another party. And he. I mean, he. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of made fun of that idea. So it was in, it was entertaining yeah. for like two minutes, and then I was like, oh my god, I can't do this anymore. I need I need to do something productive. Yeah, anyway. I just didn't want to give him my psychic energy, and that's why I didn't watch it. Yeah, that's fair. So, that's a good. That's a good reason. Yeah, I got to. I got to get. I got to keep my crystals pure and safe. <laughs> um, but anyway, but 2018, yeah. Donald Trump is president, and he's talking in front of a group of the press. That's called a junket, right? Like a junket of press. Like you have a yeah, murder what do you call of crows. flock of reporters. A junket. Yeah. A junket. Like um, you. Don't even, don't even. But he, so he gets in front of, and so this is like, I think his first month as president, right? Cause he, oh no, 2016. Oh, so he's like two years into this. So he tells these reporters that the United States has just delivered an order of F-35s and F-52s. F-52s are not real. Yeah. That I, no one knows exactly what the fuck he was talking about. He's, he's crazy. But the F-35 is, and the F-35 is a very, very beautiful amalgamation of technology and ideas. It is a fifth generation strike aircraft. And 
for the listeners, a fifth generation strike aircraft, because we have several generations, right? You have like, you know, uh, the P-51 Mustangs. I mean, those aren't jets, but that's like a generation. And then once the jet, jet age happens, you have like the Sabres. Imagine like those silver uh, jet fighters that you'd see like battling Godzilla. They kind of have like a V wing and they go, they're very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, you know, the younger generations, like as you get into the Vietnam War, you have like the F-4 Phantom, which has a very unique look to it with the canted wings and that kind of dovetail tail at the end. And then that leads into what are called the teens, like the F-14 Tomcat, which everybody can kind of picture. It's very beautiful, has mm-hmm. like what are called variable wing geometry. It can change its shape during flight. Fucking beautiful. From the F-14, you have like the F-15, the F-16, the F-18, you know, those generations um, start adding in all these cool features. The fifth generation aircraft are the ones that are like the cool super future stealth aircraft that, you know, honestly look like something that can fly into space. Mm-hmm. And these aircraft usually have a certain criteria they have to meet to be fifth generation. I think only America is the only country that has a fifth generation. Who makes the who makes aircraft. the classification system? Do you know? Is it America that makes the classification? Because that would be fun. honestly. It's it basically is because mm-hmm. we set those standards, right? We developed this, we developed that, so we call it this. There's also weird things now, like there's like fourth gen plus, where they like they're still the last generation of fighters, but they've been upgraded. There's like fourth gen plus plus and plus plus plus. Like it's just it the naming conventions they don't really <laughs> matter. It just yeah, honestly, I think it's um but an industry standard, like the companies that actually build, because don't forget, like these are built by companies. Like these are people in factories putting together these weapons that kill people. And they're kind of proud of it. They're like, yeah, this is a fourth gen plus plus variant to our last model. It has this, it has, yeah. Part of, part of crazy, what, I was, what I was reading real quick is that a lot of the reason why I mean, there's like a huge push, marketing push behind, you know, the, the reason they want to inflate the costs when creating these jets. And part of that yeah. has to do with who gets paid. It's related to the government and, um, you know, funding of campaigns. It's all very kind of secretive bullshit. But part well, of that is just marketing campaign to try and like drum up. It's kind of like, the, ah, buy war bonds, you know, type deal. There's like a whole branding thing that goes on. It's really, really, really interesting. I was actually watching a video. It was an old cartoon Mm -hmm. that was made by, I think it was Sikorsky who makes like the Black Hawk helicopters, like all that cool shit. And they like made a fucking cartoon to pitch this future helicopter design. And and it's honestly completely fucking badass. I'll I'll send you a link because cool. we were there's there's one moment where like we were going through like the Lockheed Martin like website and it was like the new future of combat and it's like this is like a marketing team sitting down to like yeah. 
tell you how you can kill faster and better. We talked about that too. It was like on their Instagram, you know, they have like a diverse staff, you know, they've got like black, like, like black women represented on the cover. That have, it's the like black they're trying women, to... They had a Mexican man and they had like one white ginger all like over a table looking at schematics. Jesus. Yeah, that, that shit was pretty funny. You know what? Um, at least they didn't have the balls to put a Middle Eastern person on the on the on like the diversity dude, panel, they, given the what's fucked, what's been happening just, in the <laughs> in the last. They few did days. like a photo op of like of like a dude who looks like he just got out of like MIT program, you know, big old beard, like looks Middle Eastern, and he's mm -hmm. like prepping a drone, right? It's like a big old like Reaper drone on a tarmac, and he's like holding the like rc controller like yep it's it's all good we're clear <laughs> let's launch it boys it's like maybe uh, the perfect way like no no look like we're yeah we're not racist like they're piloting them it's fine i think you should go work for the marketing team for lockheed you know man once i get once i get that nike paycheck i'm definitely gonna like weed my way into like military contracts and stuff Smart. like that yeah um oh oh yeah so to pull it all back, mm -hmm. um, the F-35, this, this thing's a fucking beast. And it, it's pretty incredible technology if there wasn't the F-22, because that's what kind of helped create the F-35 program. There was mm -hmm. little things here or there that the military consolidated together, um, you know, before the F-22 dropped, but this 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 technology's been around for a while and the real reveal is of course the f-22 raptor it's been in service since um surprisingly like 2007 if yeah, i got I think, that correct I think they, I think. they they the prototype the first real prototype was like 1999 but it took it takes them a while to finally like implement it i think right that's that's very true um yeah because they i believe they started the f-22 program 1987 or 99 it was right yeah, it was introduced it was right introduced after. 2005 damn yeah but it's been flying way before then and first that, flight 1997 yeah that's declassified first flight but, you know <laughs> no yeah, yeah you know yeah you know like yeah on groom lake in the summer of 1989 yeah they were working on it black triangles but yeah. we'll, we'll get to that we'll, we'll get, get to, to that. that totally so you're just still but giving the, us the kind of brief history and difference between f-22 you gotta yeah you gotta like definitely taste the history of these two aircraft because they're kind of like siblings in a way you have mm -hmm. like the younger brother the f-35 doing all these cool things but then it's still like overshadowed by its older brother who is fucking a kick-ass airplane like if i can go on a whole rant about the f-22 like it got banned from overseas sale like it's it's still so advanced that other countries are not allowed to buy it from us because we're afraid that they're going to get a hold of that technology and Crazy. we absolutely cannot let them do it it's also the f-22 was developed in i had brought this up i think in the initial pitch it's like the f-22 was developed for a future that it doesn't occupy like the idea because we were still like in the cold war we wanted to make sure we had what was called 
air superiority, like mm -hmm. anything we have up there could keep everything away. And so the F-22 was primarily designed to fight other jets. It was designed to go after other aircraft and dogfight them or, or hunt them down. And what we're seeing in our present time are what's called, ah, what's the right word for it? It's like asymmetrical battlefield. Mm -hmm. Like we have Abram, we have like GPS tracking technology where we can drop a bomb out of a plane miles away and it hits a target. But our target is like a cave right. full of like rebels. Like they don't, the most advanced thing they have is they soldered a machine gun to a truck. Right. So it's asymmetrical warfare. We're using like these really powerful weapons, but not where they're intended to be. Right. And so the F-35 was also an answer to that. And <clears throat> real quick, like with the F-22 and the F-35, what is it about these planes specifically that like is the goal to have is is the is our goal to have a plane that does i mean if you think about going back to like the black box projects coming out of world war ii you know like the uh um the b-52 and the sr-71 blackbird all these all these projects oh, yeah. Area 51 those served the purpose of those from what I understand is, you know, really high altitude bombers that, um, that fly above any type of Soviet radar system. But I mean, could that F-22 or F-35, do these planes just do everything? Are they fighters? Are well, they bomber? I mean, are they stealth craft? Well, you're, you're right. There was that, there was that theory that in order to, you know, you, you got to go high in order to go up above the missiles. You know, I mean, because the higher you are, you got to make, you know, you got to have more propulsion, you have to have better rockets. But then also we figured out that the best way is to do the opposite, to get really low and go really fast. And that's where mm. the B-1 Lancer was made. Interesting. Um, and so there's that kind of, there's that kind of, it's, it's funny when you, you, you got to go high, sometimes you got to go low in life. Right, right. And I mean, even the, the military also has a replacement for the B-2. Now they have something that, so to answer your question, um, yeah, the F-35, one of its key goals was to just do everything. It's, its program name, um, the JSF, the Joint Strike Fighter, is, is a strike aircraft, which means it's given um, an objective, it flies out there and it strikes it, but it can also coordinate really well it has what's called um sensor fusion we're like whatever it knows other people know like if there's say say if you have a squadron of like three f-35s it can talk to those three f-35s but also talk to a cruiser just offshore while wow. it's also coordinating with gps da gps data with a say ground team like say you have like boots on the ground mm -hmm. like all these different systems are talking to each other the f-22 did that beforehand but it was better at like absorbing the information if that makes sense because mm -hmm. we're living like where that technology is kind of like old right but it would take in a lot of info like it's getting uh you know coordinate data from a ship you know off the coast plus it's you know tracking satellites and then whatever else ever else is going on what the f-35 does is that it's telling like everybody knows everything. 
And so not only do the F-35s know what they're doing or what they're seeing, but you could say one F-35 sees a target and then another F-35 miles away can shoot at it hmm. or things like that. Like it's yeah. sensor fusion. So all these different devices are communicating and that also is just another you know, child or solution in the, the age of information. Right. And that really kind of, I mean, that difference that you, I think you highlighted it very well, you know, what the F-22 from my understanding is, I mean, it's primarily, obviously both of these are a weapon system, but the F-22 was a response to the weapon system of the, of the Soviet Union, you know, the other superpower right. in the world. Um, and F-35, which is also, I mean, it's crazy that both of these two are actually the most expensive weapons ever made, really. I mean, I think 115, $120 million a plane. Um, oh, did you get that um, that link I sent? I, oh, no, I think yeah, I, I watched. Notes, I watched but... part of it, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. These are, yeah, we these are meant to kill people. Right. Meant to kill people. Yeah. And it's just the, million dollars. 115 million dollars. And I think I was even looking up, I think I was looking up um, the cost of a low cost, a low cost housing block. Like if you were to build a low income housing flat, I mean, projects, but still housing for people. Yeah. Uh, $200,000, I think. Jesus, that's depressing. Yeah. That means we've got our priorities all fucked up. For, for sure. I mean, it's all still birthed off of the Cold War. Right. That's, it's only been, God, was it now, 60 years? And I mean, I think the now. logic, I mean, the Cold War ended in 91, ended the year I was born. So yeah, 30 years. Um, but the, the logic of like, okay, so I guess, you, you know, you hear a st statistic like, yeah, one of these planes could build X amount of housing projects. Like, it's crazy. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it truly is, but right. what, what, you know, what people in the military would say is, well, if we don't build it, someone else will build it and then use it against us. And on mm -hmm. some level, on like some level, that is kind of, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense really looking at, it's not something I'm happy with. It's not something that I still don't think mm -hmm. we need to spend all this money. Um, and maybe not even see, and this is, this is where it gets you know, we can talk, we can kind of go down this road, but yeah, how, what is the real cost of these machines and these weapons and how much of that plays into um, our, uh, oh my God, our geopolitical goals. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's very complicated and there's a lot of shadowy, a lot of shadowy stuff involved in that. Yeah, Eisenhower warned us about the military-industrial complex, and this mm -hmm. is what we're facing. 100%. I mean, if you look at just the budget of, I mean, how much money we spend relative to the world on our military, it's insane. I mean, I think, I think that China spends about, and they're, the, and they're in second place, in a, quite, a, quite a bit in second place, um, yeah. meaning, meaning, you know, th three through 10 is infinitely lower than china but but china's Here, i'm gonna lower pull up i'm gonna pull up their budget real quick but keep okay. going and it's uh yeah it's it's crazy because on, on one level there doesn't seem to be 
like we're in this period now after World War II where there hasn't been a war between uh, major superpowers and that's good. Correct. That was the norm just for proxy I mean, wars. Proxy just, wars, like, right. Yeah. It's almost like this deterrent, the fact that there still are nuclear missiles, the fact that, I mean, wouldn't it be funny if mutually assured destruction sort of kept us from ever wanting to get into a war again, you know? It's still, well, we still have the nukes, like you said, like right. the buttons there. They're, they're doing, what's funny too, is they're doing a lot of like upgrading because some of these uh, military facilities and some of these machines are still running on reel-to-reel tapes. Like they're on systems that are over 40 years antiquated. Which is insane because just think of all the liabilities that would cause. I mean, okay, you have something like a nuclear bomb or, or I guess bo nuclear bombs don't exist, nuclear missiles. Why in God's name when you have it in a facility that's not the most technologically advanced facility humanly possible? And it's not just us. We can hold ourselves to those standards in the United States. I don't know if we do, but we could. But I mean, India has nukes. China has nukes. Russia has nukes. What ha I mean, I, <laughs> what is the chance that I, something bad happens and accident? I think a great optic to kind of like put this into perspective is, um, you know, imagine like those nukes and nuclear silos, mm -hmm. missile silos, bunkers, all that stuff was like that sort of like image from that zeitgeist, that era. Like you imagine fallout shelters and all that stuff. Um, you know, just picture like a missile silo. It's out in the middle of Kansas somewhere. It's somewhere safe, but it can yeah. be used. Nowadays, just imagine like in Utah right now, there is a several hundred acre facility that holds servers for the NSA and the CIA where they just hold data. Mm -hmm. And that's almost not that different. No. We're now it's in the not. middle of someplace safe. It's, we can use it if we want it and it's there. Where it's like the, the nuclear weapons, like those have been forgotten and they've been replaced with like large data centers. Right. Like now we can store these weapons, you know, these assets, this, this information that we can use against other people or use it for things like that. Mm -hmm. It's just taken on a whole different form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, what, what freaks me out a little bit is that I feel like human beings are very capable of creating, I mean, we're very capable of creating amazing and destructive things. Mm -hmm. And war drives technological innovation. I mean, it always has. It's been one of the main catalysts for technological innovation. And when, mm -hmm. oh, man, I can't remember the name of the book, but there was a, someone wrote a book basically about the, the real threat of, a, of nu nuclear bombs doesn't come from the other countries being able to drop them. I mean, most, mo it's really, it would actually be really hard for what it's like. We've got such good anti-missile defenses that, you know, that's, that's actually, you know, pretty good, pretty good uh, yeah. safety mechanisms. But most of these nuclear bombs and missiles have all, I mean, there's been multiple situations where human error or some, or one of the systems that, um, that we have in place to try and and just accident accidentally gets like there was a guy in the Soviet Union. It was like 1981, and mm -hmm. there was an oh alert. yes, there was an alert that came on his computer that showed that like 
a hundred nuclear missiles from the United States were income like directly coming to Moscow. Yeah, it was basically like this is it. Like this, this is it. This and is he, the moment we've been waiting for. And his job was to report that and basically say fire back. And he he didn't do it. I mean, to me, that's just like this guy needs to be memorialized. We need to build a statue of him because that is mm-hmm. that that it's again, it's you know, someone very small in history playing a huge role. And yeah. There was another one I, I, I read about where basically it was uh, someone was tran- they were transporting a nuclear bomb over tech from Texas to like New York City and it almost just accidentally fell out of the of the cargo bay of this of this airplane. So it's right. like things like that. But then I guess the point I was trying to make kind of tie this into what you were saying was not only do we have nuclear I mean we still have these nuclear facilities that we have thousands of them mm-hmm. with nuclear missiles, but now we also mm-hmm. have all of this data and as these facilities get moved from this old tech old sort of like analog technology into a more sort of like data driven inf- or data uh like the like a data structure i guess i don't know what the correct wording is it's almost also, a landscape yeah it's it really it kind of that's the only way to really visualize it because it's so complicated so complicated i mean that really opens up a lot of other risks in and of itself you know, mm-hmm. not, not even, and not isn't even touching on the fact that, you know, the fact that people's information at the level that it is, is being stored in these facilities. I mean, massive warehouses is terrifying mm-hmm. too. So it's like, I kind of see the future as a, we're staring down. We have on one level, this dystopian reality where things get destroyed because of a, a weapon we created. And then on the other level, we've got this dystopian reality where, and we kind of are living in it, all of our information and all of who we are as a human being is kind of molded and tailored and pushed in certain ways and weaponized in certain ways that are much more um, psychological. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's also important that even though a lot of these data centers mm-hmm. do contain our information, there's also other versions that contain good things like the library of congress saves every single tweet Hmm. so you can see how people think like their mistakes like like every single tweet donald trump has made is saved by the library of congress so it can't be manipulated or altered or like can't like delete it and and hope that nobody went on the dm and like saw it and then yeah so like every mistake every wrong word that was mentioned is saved there so people in the future can look back on that and that's education like that's how people do great things that's how we're gonna get to jupiter is we're sharing those ideas and that knowledge yeah which is important and i think that i guess that uh what i was gonna say is do do you think that um, because there's almost too much information in the world, do you think that there will be technology that will be created to just distill relevant information in a super fast way? I kind of see that now with like, there's certain apps like reading apps and podcasts attempt to do this and like YouTube definitely helps, but take, like, do you think there will be a reality where people never pick up a book again because they can get the, they can get the majority of what is in that book kind of downloaded into their brains or like condensed into a way that, like, I guess I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking about how we would look at a future, how we would look to this moment from the future. Um, 
given the I fact can, that technology imagine, doesn't seem like it's going to slow down. I can imagine that the way we interpret information won't vastly change, but its form to us will change. Like imagine the um, like the ancient Mesopotamian language where they had basically it was just like a couple of sticks. You had some, several sticks, a stroke, some sticks. It was the very first language. It was mm -hmm. basically just tallying how many bundles of wheat they had or who had an ox, this and that. And although like we can't read it, back then they could read it and it all eventually becomes modern language. We just mm -hmm. see those shapes as meaning something else. The We're systems like, evolve. The systems evolve how they're interpreted or the, how they're being interpreted changes where mm -hmm. like you can kind of see certain forms from certain ancient languages, but from there to here, you've, you've lost how to read that. Right. You know, you have like dead languages, things like that, hieroglyphics mm -hmm. where, you know, nowadays we have like, you can like, you can look at a, an icon for a camera app in your phone. Like, you know, that little logo, is a camera. It has like the little blades of an aperture. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you saw a kid actually using a camera that had an aperture or that actually clicks mechanically? That doesn't really exist anymore, but we still understand that concept mm -hmm. where there is, yes, like a lot of information nowadays, but from now into 60 or 100 years, there's still going to be there's more information, but it's going to be condensed down into a different abstract form. And we'll look at it completely or, differently. I mean, even like it a might good be example too much is, for us. Totally. A good example is even like the, uh, like the Jolly Roger, you know, if like you were caught flying a Jolly Roger off your boat in like the 18th Jolly century, bones, yeah. you were hung. I mean, it was like, it was something that people didn't mess around with. Mm -hmm. and, and now it's like, I can't tell you how many pirates toys I had as a kid because the th what the threat that that image conveys doesn't exist anymore in the same way that it now used to. it now also conveys a certain sort of freedom right where it's like you think about you know pirates the high seas treasure to be looting booty kinda, and booze you know i kind of want to get like get like the isis flag printed on a t-shirt and just kind of try and start to change the meaning right now just get along get get on with it right now start wearing it around well, instead of like and getting instead of getting like the isis flag printed just get an isis flag <laughs> and just, just like have, have a, that like the thin blue you. line but with an isis flag on the back of my car That'd right be, that would be right? pretty funny honestly that would be a pretty good if someone on, oh, if someone on youtube hasn't done that already they should get on it because i don't really want to be i don't yeah. want to be the one to have my it's destroyed. it's kind of intense yeah <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the kind of organization everybody can get behind not liking for sure. <laughs> that's true. Um, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, kind of going off this topic we were just on, but one of the biggest things I think will happen in our lifetime is a live translation, like, earpiece. And I think that will open up, um, well, it'll be weird because it'll be really expensive and people from america will be able to and you know rich countries will be able you to mean get like, it first you mean like language or like yeah like someone you like you or you're translate? talking to someone in spanish and it translates it in real time my earbuds could do that but not well but not well see that's not the well. thing is it's really hard to do that 
It's really hard to do that. But it's, it's it's happening. This is it like is. the this is like the battle fish from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, mm -hmm. where they put the fish. It's like a parasite that feeds off of your brain waves, but the waste material is like understandable language. It's like when yeah. someone's talking to you, like your brain's trying to figure it out. So the fish feeds off that psychic energy, and it's basic. It's feces. It's just what you understand as that language. It's actually pretty awesome. That is interesting. Pretty I need to awesome. reread Hitchhiker's Guide. I like <clears throat> read a it a long time ago when I was a kid. And then recent, I mean, probably like six months ago, I picked it up and got like 40, oh, 40 pages in and got, and got distracted. It's good. A lot of people are just talking about Dune right now because like sci-fi is cool or whatever. They're yeah. like, they're full of Marvel. They're like, oh, Dune's Dude. coming out soon. It's going to be fucking sick. I'm like, if they could just so if they bring if they could just bring back Hitchhiker's Guide because the yeah. first movie was actually really good. It was good. It was entertaining. They, just, they didn't bother. It had right. a really forced um, love triangle thing going, yeah. which in the book was a little bit nicer. They just kind of like brushed off the romance in the book, but in the yeah. movie they're trying to like force it, so it comes off kind of awkward. But there's a lot of really good concepts. Plus Zoe Deschanel's in it, and she's, oh, she's a cutie. Fine. I can't help it. Yeah, she's. I like. I like girls that sound like they smoke thirty cigarettes a day. Something oh about something about okay. that. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Do you want extra gravy with your biscuits? I'm like, miss, <laughs> please. What are you doing later tonight? Yeah. Was that a euphemism? Gravy on my biscuits? What? um yeah like why am i blushing <laughs> yeah i was uh thinking just for a second you mentioned dune um and the concepts in that like there's a concept in that book that i think is really interesting that uh f like i think it's in the third book but spoiler alert leto atreides who's the uh um, Dude, the second the fucking god emperor well yeah he becomes he becomes a worm and yeah, I, yeah. I, oh man I, I bring it up and now i forget why it became a worm so i gotta google it i know so i i haven't read dune i actually watched the movie when i was a little kid back in 1997 when it was playing on the sci-fi channel it blew my mind but like for some reason i like it was a, it's a very boring movie yeah, but recently I've been kind of diving back in, and so Leto Atreides, what he does is he combines what are called sand trout, uh -huh. which are the larval stage of the giant sandworms. But the, since the since the sand trout are kind of like amorphous, yeah, he starts wearing them like armor, and they ends up like living for like five thousand years and blah blah blah, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fun. Also, kind of like nasty. Okay, it says. Leto, Leto Atreides chooses to undergo, there's a, there's a point to this. Leto Atreides chooses to undergo a transformation from human to human, human to worm hybrid because it would ensure his golden path, which simply put, is the only track among basically infinite universal narratives that his prescient mind could identify that included the opportunity for humanity to secure its own future. It allowed him to live more than 3,500 years, which was the basic require, requirement for establishing an empire that would enforce rules to bring about the future. Yeah, but he was like, uh, he was also like a hard ruler. Like he believed that people should be subjugated into the like most archaic form in order to rule. Like, although at that point in um, the Dune saga, humanity is just like all over the galaxy. Yeah. They're living like peasants. 
they're like they have carts and beasts of burden and stuff like the the most interesting thing i think about dune related to other sci-fi is uh this the what well what the spice is i mean it's essentially it's a it's the, the most it's the most yeah it's the most precious element and most most precious commodity in the entire galaxy and it's, I, it's like a, it's like the ultimate macguffin it's like this mm-hmm. is the most important thing which is there ever really well i don't know i mean there's in theories of in theories of like uh civilization expansion you know you get there's like your tier one civilization um you know where you're living off of the uh, like you don't have any any stable sort of like farmland or something like that and then you know it goes up tier two tier three until finally you know we're kind of on the edge of what i guess you would call like a global civilization but with each of these big tiers it uses more and more energy so the theory is that the reason one of the reasons that we don't see other alien life forms is because to get to the point where you could actually leave your planet, you would require energy, an energy source that doesn't exist on your planet. And so therefore it's kind of impossible. So just use the star. You wrap the star in a Dyson sphere and gather the energy from that star. Yeah. Solar, solar or a solar sail, I guess. That's another. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. Solar. Actual propulsion. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's also important too, because there's like the Fermi paradox. Like, if there's so much life out there, mm-hmm. how can we haven't made contact yet? Right. Granted, though, there's so much space out there. There, the Kepler Space Telescope has found right now about one, almost every star we're looking at with the has Kepler planets. Space Telescope yeah. has planets, not just it's one, crazy. planets, like right. a bunch. And granted, though, scientists estimate, as far as we know, about one third of <clears throat> every star has planets. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, our base sample, basically what we're taking a picture of, is such a very, 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 very tiny view of our universe, let alone our local neighborhood. It's, it's hard. I mean, if there's more money into that, Right. Instead of building giant fucking warplanes, I know. Then well, you could get a little further. Here is here is a. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shamelessly shout this because I I just believe in it so much. We've got to get to a point, and I I don't even know I don't know if we ever will because I'm like I'm torn. I think the biggest reason for this might be because human beings are so diverse and unique in their cultures. Mm-hmm. That's one of the strengths of humanity but it might be the thing that prevents us from coming together under like a sort of like, like, you know, you think of something like Star Trek where it's like the unified, like earth is like one happy sort of country and every, everyone on is on these diverse spaceships. And like, mm-hmm. I just don't think that'll ever work. I think that people are too complicated and want too many people are too afraid to, like, I don't know if, if, if let's say I'm like from, you know, Tanzania or like Thailand or something. And like, all of a sudden it's like, I'm a part of this new global empire that wants to make everything great. And I didn't even ask for it. So I like, I don't think that we'll be able to get to that point, but we, we do have got, we have got to really start thinking about getting off planet earth because every single generation that just puts the brakes on it and doesn't really consider it or laughs at the idea 
I mean, of course, it's a it's a money. I mean, think of how much money we put into, like you Ooh. said, warplanes here. What if that money trillions. was diverted? Yeah, trillions of dollars. And and then, you know, now we're defunding NASA. I think what SpaceX uh, is doing is really cool because it's, pri- it's a private company, but it has Privatize it. Yeah, yeah, privatize it all. Yeah. Well, look at SpaceX. Like, not only did they put a, a, bunch, of, a bunch of people in space, but they also made it look really good. They made it look oh, yeah. really, really good. It's sexy, man. And that's a huge, that's a huge thing. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, in the sixties people got, I mean, not everybody, there was actually a pretty big public debate on the, uh, Apollo program, but I think it inspired. They're going to go like, they're going to go up in space and they're going to like look too good and start banging aliens. They're going to give off the wrong message. That's the dream. The the galaxy. Okay, I thought that, I thought that's where you were going with that. It's like, oh no, I was just yeah, like, what happens? <laughs> what happens when they get like space girlfriends? Like, do they do they come to Earth and do they have to like do we introduce them? Like, hey Earth, like you know, this is Tarok Rock. Like, you know, we just met on the moon and okay, real we, talk. Would you fuck an alien? You you go to Mars. You're at the first. You're in the first colony on Mars, or whatever. You show up. You get your, you I get think, your bunker situated. You you walk into like some weird Martian glacial tunnel or whatever, and there's just like this I just of, I'm new to town. Alien. I just got here. Yeah, you hear a voice in your head, and you don't know what it is because it's an alien communicating to you, and it's going, Kyle, fuck me, I'm an alien. Yeah. Would you do it? I think. I think it depends. Like, I'd probably like probably go on two dates. You know what I mean? Because mm. you gotta got to feed them out. You know what I mean? Like, they have like colors in their skin you've never seen before. Like, you know, <laughs> and you maybe never, never trust got... never trust an alien. I mean, if you've seen any sci-fi, like if you've seen Alien, you don't you don't trust things that come from other planets. I mean, yeah. What if they have like crazy space debt and they're trying to get after me for my Amer- like my Earth That's money? Because you never know. You, you never, never know. know. But I'd probably like do a couple of dates, right? Like first meeting, I'd like slide up and like probably hold her tentacle, you know what I mean? Like play it easy, you know, mm-hmm. go slow. And then I think after like I discover they have seven holes, I'd be like, okay, you know what? I'm 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 catching some feelings, you know what? I didn't know this would happen, but I'm ready to you know make that giant leap. <laughs> that one and, giant leap for man. <laughs> uh, yeah, got him. Mm. But then, but to answer, yes, yes, I would. Cool. Yes, I would. That's how I know we're friends. It's got to, sometimes you just got to ask, you got to ask questions on the realm of socially acceptable to figure out who can hang and who can't hang. I've worked with a guy yeah. who like made that, I was like 17 <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I can't even remember the Wait, where are you name. working? You got to you got to set up the place. You can change the name. Oh, no, I was working. I was, no, I was working at the Alta Sierra Country Club and I was a dishwasher and dope. I was like kind of one of those teenagers that you like, like if I came to work, you'd probably, probably like, who's that? Like, you'd probably call me a pussy or something. Cause that's just the language. I can imagine you with like a full like wraparound headgear and like knee high socks. I still wear knee high socks. I just imagine you like something out of like 1978 Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. You got like a big fro for some reason. Well, thankfully, I've my teeth. I've never needed braces, and I've never been able to. I want a fro, but I've never thankfully had one. It's like I I want a fro, but I also don't want a fro. You know, just because people touch your people yeah. when you have a fro, people come up and they do this to it, and I've never. Yeah, had no that. people people touch my hair when I have it down. That's why I always wear the beanie. God, dude. So just just well, like lift pay. your head up a little bit more so they can't even reach it. They have to. 
if they want to touch the hair, they have to pay money and they don't have money. So they can't touch. There you go. Um, yeah. You're saying, Oh yeah. So, okay. My, it was one of my first jobs and I was, Oh, oh yeah. I was talking about, um, about getting it, you know, and I was just kind of like trying to be too nice to everybody. And it was like almost off putting, you know, and you're, you where you're working with like, it's like, you're a young kid, you're trying to figure out the adult world. You're working at a restaurant. And I had, I've always kind of had a fucked up sense of humor. Um, well, like somebody like cuts their finger, like, wow, that's a, that's a really nice cut. Yeah, totally. Just, just to like please. that. Self-depth. Well, yeah, I do that in the kitchen, but when it came to like the front of house staff, which, you know, there were more girls and stuff. So I was trying to be like, uh, I was trying to be like nice and trying to try to like my personality would sort of conform to whoever was in the room almost, you know, I think a lot of young that's, kids that's do that. That's the best way. That's and the then, best way to kind of like get into a new job is just like be everybody but yourself. Yeah. But then it came to a point where I was, I kind of felt like I was just kind of acting like an idiot and, and uh, I can't, I think his dude, this dude's name was Kevin. I can't, I can't quite remember. There were a lot of, there were a lot of people coming and going. Don't have to he, say his actual name. You can change it. Oh, he's not going to watch this shit. Um, <laughs> but he said something along the lines of like, dude, you just have to say one of like, just say a, a really fucked up joke. And if, if someone laughs or if like, it's something that makes you laugh and it's kind of like on the edge of what you think is appropriate, worst case scenario is the other person won't get it, but then you won't have to bother putting out the energy to try and be friends with them. Cause you realize that if someone isn't able to, and I mean, if someone's, if someone doesn't get it, then why waste the time trying to, you know, like you could be friends and have acquaintances with those types of, with people like that of all types, but it's like getting, understanding someone's humor is huge when it comes to developing a friendship, I think. So I had a brief stint mm -hmm. taking a social psychology class. It mm -hmm. lasted a couple of months. I just, I was doing a bunch of stuff in my life that didn't allow me to like stay in school at the moment. Right. Um, and so I dropped it, but one of the things I like did some side research with one of our projects and I was like looking into like, why do people even make jokes? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not that uncommon, like other creatures in the animal kingdom have a sense of humor, right? They might not laugh or they might not do the same things we do, but they understand humor. Mm -hmm. And one of them was about how inside jokes like yeah you have like tragedies or whatever like some guy is trying to you know get his harvest back into town the wheel comes off of his you know cart and it falls down the hill we all laugh we have a good time his life sucks so on and so forth but like why do people tell inside jokes we're just like hey yeah hey, yeah 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 and because of like the hindsight theory where it's like, once we know about it, we're like, oh, of course it makes sense. Where it's like inside jokes help bond you with other individuals because you both understand what you're thinking. Oh, totally. And it sounds little, sim like a very simplistic, no, but that's the real. whole point was like, oh, you get that. Mm -hmm. That means we have those, that same thought at some point, yada, yada totally and, and i think it helps and it helps almost in a way to be again like I, I i grew up working as a line cook and i worked with a lot of crazy people legitimately crazy people and i worked in a yeah. lot of kitchens where i was the only one speaking english and so a lot of my coworkers and a lot of my friends were spanish or met you know they're mexican 
and they spoke like maybe they they could speak like two percent of the English I could speak. But what we did you also speak two percent of the Spanish like they spoke? Was it kind of like yep? And we bonded over like very specific inside jokes that we could understand cross culturally, and it was really Mm -hmm. it was really interesting too because it's like um, you know in my opinion I got probably the closest cultural experience you can pro- you can probably get in Nevada County to like being without being like in a Mexican family because literally at times everyone I worked with was Mexican they had their kids in the back they had you know their music that's all I listened to because it was like I was the minority in this work environment you know and it was really mm-hmm. interesting and really cool um and uh, yeah it was just like also too one of the ways that we bonded was the only really thing we could do was <laughs> kind of make fun of each other's differences in a playful way. Okay. And that's, that's kind of important too, because then it also lowers, lowers your guard. Cause yeah. if people are already seeing your flaws, you can't hide them. Well, it's good so to then laugh you have at to yourself. kind of like toss that. Yeah. You kind of have to just toss it out the window at that point. Totally. Like I, like, you know, just like stupid things, like they would make fun of what I would bring to eat in the morning or something like that. And then I would make fun. I imagine like, like a peanut butter and jelly. Sa- I imagine the peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a couple of like almonds and then one strawberry. Yeah, that was, that was pretty normal. Or like a protein shake or just like the thing that was really interesting and really cool. And something that I think America, like American people can just learn more from in general is that like Mexican cultures and, you know, and my girlfriend in high school is also Mexican. And so I had, to, I got to be around her family a lot they take a lot more time to enjoy their food. Like they love to eat, but they, but every meal is delicious. Like I've never had even like the casual meals, like it's always very well prepared. It's always like you take the time, you eat like good filling food. Like you don't usually just eat a bunch of bullshit. It could be like really, it could be like really bad for you. Don't get me wrong. But um, like in the morning, like they, like there was like a community effort to all cook for each other. And in like, I mean, this is kind of a generalization, but working with a lot of my, you know, like other friends from around here in the same jobs, it's just like, we all kind of just like fend for ourselves and like bring in whatever trash that we got at, you know, 7-Eleven that morning. And, um, but yeah. Somebody comes in with with Taco Bell and you're like, why didn't you get me Taco Bell? Pretty much. And, and you're like, you didn't text me. And, and they're like, well, we're up until four o'clock together drinking. And you're like, well, hold on. (laughs) I feel attacked. No. Yeah, I feel no, attacked. No, that's ever happened to me before. <laughs> yeah, no, we know, we know. But yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, I guess I was just, you know, relating that to to the experience of, uh, uh, you know, feeling how like what people can do when you're point when you're kind of pointing out in a playful way that you're that you're a part of an in group, you know, by making jokes. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very oh, it's yeah. a very important like aspect of so. I think a lot of, like I took a behavioral science science class for educate child education last semester, two semesters ago. Yeah. And yeah. one of the biggest things was kids who don't understand, kids who can't be played with or joked with, do not make friends. And usually, and, and it really leads to bad outcomes, like in early childhood. Um, like if you What's are- a common thing with like serial killers, right? Like they had a bad childhood, they had like no friends, so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah, there's like a, been quite a few studies on kids on like essentially dividing kids into like groups of like kind of four groups, might be three groups, but I, I think it's four. And it's like 
So there's certain dimensions of personality within groups when you're like six or seven years old. And there are um, three of them are predictors of success. So kids generally in this group have good social skills when they grow up and the ones okay. and the, the, the one, the one that isn't don't. And the groups are kids who understand they're popular and enjoy being popular kids who okay. understand they're popular, but don't enjoy being popular. So these are all successful groups, kids who aren't popular, but would like to be popular. And okay. finally, kids who aren't popular and don't want to be popular. And I guess popular shouldn't in this sense should be more like uh, played with kids who kids who are played with and all the attention, with. all the, mm -hmm. the affection the you, yeah, okay. So the kids who were uh, choosing to outcast themselves from the group without any intention of trying to fit into it. Um, yeah. Turned out very badly. I mean, metric wise, I mean, a tons of studies have been done on this. Um, and a lot of serial killers do display that type of behavior for sure. Like I've just been learning. Where they want it. to be popular, but they can't or be? Not, or? not maybe not, I guess popular is the wrong word. They want to fit in with a group when, for example, at recess, but no one accepts yeah. them. And then they choose not to even try. Um, okay. Most, most kids, most kids, like, yeah, you're either There's most some behavioral Darwinism too. That's like survival, the most fittest, like you don't have the right social skills to coordinate with that group. So you're all alone. So you totally. gotta figure out some other way. Well, yeah. And at that, and yeah. at that rate age too, your brain's a sponge in a lot of ways too. And like, there's a lot of, it, mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons why, I mean, you could have, uh, someone being abused, a kid being abused at home or something, um, who will, who will take that, who will take that to school with him and not be able to integrate socially, or you could have a kid yeah. and this happens where it's just not in there. You know, maybe it's like a uh, learning, not learning disability, but like a neurodiversity, maybe you're autistic or something like that. Like yeah. a lot of um, people yeah. with Asperger's have trouble reading social cues in that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah. if there's, if there's abuse at home, where's that abuse come from? Well, it depends, but, but if the child's a victim of like projected negativity, like, mm -hmm. is there, is there substance abuse? Is there, you know, physical abuse from other I, aspects? I would say at an early age and based off what I know, and again, I'm not like an expert in this, but based off what I know, um, younger than, I mean, when you're an adult, like, let's say you, you come home and you, uh, you're in an abusive situation and you're like 21 or 22, your, your mind is a little bit more resilient to that. Like, of course it can affect people, but you also have a lot more mental resiliency to say, like recognize your agency and in that decision to maybe distance yourself from it. But when you're a kid, mm -hmm. you are still like, you're socializing, your brain is developing around certain social interactions and your, your mind is growing every day. Mm -hmm. And so when, when like your cortisol is super high and you're stressed out all the time and you're anxious and like just things, things, yeah, things stop, you know, really they do in a lot of ways where they change. Like mm -hmm. I know, I mean, I was just watching the Night Stalker documentary a few days ago, like what happened in Richard Ramirez's life? Um, the psychiatrist said that he was a made serial killer. He wasn't a born serial killer. And that's because he lived, he was in an incredibly violent house, like household mm -hmm. situation from a really early age. Yeah. And, and he learned probably to 
and you know, this is some deep psychological shit too, but like a lot of your, for example, like sexual impulses and your psychology related to things like that, I'd imagine could be influenced by seeing the types of crazy shit that he did when he was like five and six years old. Anybody would be. Yeah. Yeah. Like the kind of, the kind of abuse that people get, we're getting way off topic from fighter jets, but dude, I know I, 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 we can, we can bring it, we can bring it back. (laughs) We're going to bring it back. We're going to bring it back eventually too. But yeah, like you have, you have that, that kind of projection of all of these just, bottled up emotions too but you also have the anomaly of family annihilators mm-hmm. you know men that just snap and they like kill their wife and kids and then the dog and then they just turn themselves in there yeah, was that's... god there was there was some dude in like the east coast who philadelphia was that it? I, I, I think it was the one that like killed his family because like they're about to go bankrupt and he thought it would be more terrible if they were poor then if they were just dead because if, if they were dead he could just send them send them to heaven early and they wouldn't Ooh, live a in a squalor yeah really really weird shit i forget yeah. the guy's name but there was that whole thing too where it's like he didn't like, he had a great background like he had loving parents they had wealth but that was the problem is that like he couldn't understand life in that kind of system mm-hmm. without wealth well, and, and probably also, felt like, the shame. Yeah, the shame, like, shame and like and the, the feeling of if you grow up in that situation where it's like your one job is a man to be a provider for a family, yeah. and then you fail at that, or you it. get in over your head. It's some Walter White. That's some like uh, yeah, it's some serious shit, man. Yeah, yeah, fight but, and um, flight for sure. Speaking of fight and flight, you want to pull this oh, shit good back? Segue. Yeah, good segue. Good segue. <laughs> Let's uh, <laughs> um. I want to talk about I want to talk about the theft of fighter jets from stealing like Soviet MiG fighter jets. We're talking about recovered, recovered. Let's talk yeah, about recovered, recovered aircraft. Craft. So and, I was yeah. actually it's I got like my computer set up right here with a bunch of notes because I have uh-huh. pages and pages of notes because I've been just reading this shit for ages. But um, but but yeah. So this also kind of like there is this kind of similar theme of fear and stuff because you have the cold war we have us versus them you know it's it's also the space race we have also the technology race we're trying to develop something to fight that something whatever that something is we don't know but the way that we do know is sometimes we get a hold of this stuff and one classic case of course is the fact that um Occasionally during, you know, the 70s and 80s and 90s, um, we would get a hold of Russian fighter jets somehow. We either had allies like Israel or Egypt that bought them from the Russians and suddenly that nation loses, you know, they, they, they get poor and they need to sell these things and they sell them to us. And one very famous occasion was the case of pilot Victor Belenko, who was a pilot of what's called an, a MiG-25. The NATO designation is called the Foxbat. It is a gigantic fucking plane. It's huge. It's fast. It allegedly was, is able to chase down the SR-71. And this is and a, that's just the for, one people, thing. for people who... Uh... Just to be clear, this is a Soviet 
era plane during the Cold War. This is a, yeah. This is it was developed during uh, the '60s and it was deployed uh, in the '70s. So this this thing is flying during the Vietnam War. Like, you know, Q, yeah, Iron Butterfly. We're in like you know helicopters going over Saigon. It's you know Vietnam War. And this plane, the MiG-25, the Fox Bat, is gigantic. It's super, it's huge, and it can fly very fast. It can do like Mach 3.2 or 5, but there's also stories of radar stations that were tracking something going Mach 5. Like we had, we, we might have, yeah, it, we don't know how fast this thing could be. And that was our whole poem. We're like, how, what can this thing do? Yeah. So, in in the early 80s this pilot victor belenko he was going through a hard time i think he was like <laughs> having a troubled marriage back at home he just was sick of the soviet union <laughs> so he spent months looking at maps of the south china sea and japan because he was stationed on the east coast of russia which isn't very much coast it's like kamchatka and some other parts of china as well mm -hmm. um there's not much land there's not much area for russian bases to be but he was stationed on that side and he after months of planning defected to america and he took his plane with him obviously because he's flying in it and so what happened is when he brought the mig over we russia demanded it back the russians <laughs> were like give our give our pilot back give our plane back and we're like okay so we sent the plane back in like 20 crates the thing was pulled apart we took every nut and bolt off and we wanted to figure out how does this plane work we found out that although the plane is very fast and very powerful it turns very slow it's about a hmm. mile so if you imagine like having to like turn a car in a mile, that mm -hmm. takes a long time. So what happened is we took the information and we developed the F-15 and a bunch of other planes as well. And this is a whole series of stories in the saga of recovered aircraft. Um, because I don't know if you've gotten to it yet in your book about Area 51, but we had mentioned earlier about how for sure, in Nevada, there are MiGs. There's Soviet aircraft yep. that we are testing and flying, doing crazy shit with it. Yep. And occasionally, sometimes somebody sees it and they're like, oh, that's a UFO. I don't know what that is. I can't identify it. It's flying unidentified. It's a UFO. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's probably a Russian aircraft. Yeah, they said that they, the, um, that MiG that they recovered, I think is, I think it's the same story that you're talking about, but um, yeah, the first MiG that they got, they, they flew something like 130 times at the Groom Lake base in area 51. Just That'd to, be so fun. Can you oh, imagine yeah. like you can't, you can't read any of the dials, you know, that this one makes you go up, that one makes you go left. So just rip it. I mean, shitting my pants in a cockpit going the speed of sound sounds, sounds like a wonderful time, but doing it in a, in a Russian plane that I can't understand sounds even better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the adrenaline rush, man. <laughs> I think, isn't there a, uh, I don't want to get off, off talk, go on 
crazy off topic, but like we did before, but isn't there a height limit to be a fighter pilot? Like there's no way you or I could ever get in one of those planes, right? Like our, yeah. our brains, our heart is like too far away from our head or something <laughs> like that. It's, I think it's a whole issue with just weight. Like mm -hmm. if the, if the pilot can be like a certain standard size, then, you know, it could fit or they, sorry, they can fit in most cockpits or you can make it a certain way. I don't, I don't think we, I don't think we're actually like ever going to be like military standard, you know, like height wise, it's, it seems fucking great, but because yeah, until the, military you're in the military, you get the, your head blown off because you can't crouch low enough. Yeah, well, I mean, everything's standardized. It's just cheaper. Yeah. Like, all these uniforms, they're all this size, blah, blah. It's yeah. great. We'd be, we'd and be even just, like, yeah. I mean, like, the idea of being, like, like packed into some sort of, like, vehicle no. that's traveling twice the speed of sound doesn't sound very comfy at all I'm to start good. with. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good as well. Yeah. Like, even most cars are too cramped for me. Like, I borrowed a friend's Mini Cooper for a while, Dude, which was very fun. To, it's, it was fun to drive, but the hard part is, is that the top frame blocked stoplights. So I'd have to, oh, like, shit. punch beneath it just to see if it was green. It was it's a liability. It was a go-kart. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so going, like, going, going back to, uh, to MIG City... Oh yeah. So of, of course we have the whole idea of recovered aircraft because the mm -hmm. whole idea is that like, we're not going to share technology information. So let me just, what's it called? Like, um, retro engineer. Oh, back engineer. Right. Back, back. Is, is it, is it back engineering or retro engineering or there's a term for it? You just like look at a couple of pipes and tubes reverse engineering. And Reverse engineering. It was in between. It was in between what we were both saying, right? Just just smash them together, wipe away the blood. Yeah. And so, when we got a hold of MIGs and we started flying them and understanding them, um, what happened is we realized that we shouldn't just make things bigger and faster because mm -hmm. they're gonna like, they don't. They're not as like nimble. And so we started doing stuff like creating the F-16 and the F-18. There's this whole, there's this whole group of people in the military called the fighter mafia. Their whole thing was they were like, we need to stop making planes that are just bigger and faster. We need to start making planes that are not only cheap, but they're like squirrely. Like they could just yeah. move around the skies. And so we had, the F-16 and the F-18 developed. And we might loop back around to those two because I have a whole thing about those. Yeah. But but to get back on to like recovered aircraft, um, you know, we got a hold of MIGs. We started developing not only planes that were like small and fast, we also developed planes that were invisible. And we started making the F-117 Nighthawk, which of how, course is the first... Why is it invisible? Stealth technology, baby. Most of all, we figured out that the shape, the shape of a plane is what we can use to hide it. Because radar, in order for you to get image from radar, is it mm -hmm. has to ping off a surface, has to bounce off a surface. Mm. So the thing that they realize is that a round shape 
Because the idea is that the radar hits it at a certain angle, right? Mm. Most likely a right angle to the source. So if you send off an energy, if it's like facing towards it, it's going to come back. It's going to return completely. Right. So they figured out is that, well, a round aircraft has multiple moments that can be a 90 degree. Because it's round, it doesn't mm. matter where you look. At some point, it's going to be 90 degrees. So what they figured out is if you use flat surfaces, there's only one angle it could be seen at. And then we started developing what was called the flying diamond. Um, the classified name for it when it was flying at Groom Lake was called Have Blue, which I think is the whole idea of like the sky is blue. We're going to just be in the sky. We're going to have a chunk of that blue. Mm-hmm. Whole different theory for another day. And that was a, so, skunk, that was a skunk works project from Lockheed Martin, right? Correct. Lockheed Martin, um, fucking what's his name? Uh, Kelly Johnson. There was the chief engineer for Lockheed Martin. And his name was Kelly Johnson. Fucking so good. And he <laughs> created, or he was in charge of the Skunk Works project. And they did a lot of stuff at a Groom Lake. So we started building that was called like the Flying Diamond. Um, at one point, it was also nicknamed the Wobbling Goblin, but the F-117 Nighthawk was the very first stealth aircraft that we deployed, and it was awesome. Like, if you ever have a chance to look it up, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people, maybe a lot of listeners that have seen it when they were younger, mm-hmm. and were like, wow, that's so cool, and then just have forgotten about it. They're pretty fucking cool. Um, the only problem is, is that the Nighthawk could only carry two missiles because mm. it it's carried small, all huh? of its, well, it carried everything on the inside. Because if you had like rockets and fuel pods and stuff hanging on the outside, they're going to reflect radar. Gotcha. So they figured out, just hide everything inside of it and just make everything flat surfaces. Hmm. That way it doesn't return radar pings just because of its shape. And then, you know, because of the shape, it it wasn't really designed to be like aerodynamic because hmm. that's why you would see airplanes that have these nice like curves and, you know, kind of swooping sections to allow airflow. But if you're getting rid of those curved surfaces, you know, air doesn't flow over so well. So what they did is they just added computers to help compensate. So since the plane isn't stable, it'll like wobble in different ways. So yeah. it does, it's, they just added computers to like correct for that that is so fascinating the whole avionics because you know you know my buddy Corey. um he does avionics Corey emmett yeah Yeah. he's he has an avionics company and it's just like a shout out to Corey. um he just does like it's just avionics yeah semi avionics um we like to to thank our sponsor But, but seriously, though, if you guys want to sponsor us, it'd be perfect. And LaCroix, bro. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, that's just it, that, that technology, that real-time processing of data at that speed with v- those types. I mean, the, it's such a language I can never speak. I'd love to actually have him on and talk about like the details of it and how it all works because it's just it's just so fascinating to me um you know just that you're processing all this information in real time from all these various inputs environmental inputs temperature 
speed, mm-hmm. wind, pressure. I mean, it's just well, that's that's the funny part is like com- computers are designed for that. What I forget where this quote came from, but what somebody mentioned is that what humans are really bad at, computers are really good at. Mm-hmm. Like taking all these numbers and crunching them and like compiling this data. And that's what they did is they they figured out how to make a plane invisible to radar, but it doesn't fly well. Hmm. So let's just make it fly well. Right. And they and they did that. And they got the F-117. It was operational. It was doing good. It basically was doing really well until one got shot down in Bosnia. And what happened with that was they were getting sloppy. Yes, the F-117 is invisible to radar, but if you know where it is or where it's going to be, you can use its infrared signature because it's also developed to like hide its infrared, like because jet airplanes have, you know, heat. They, a jet, the whole idea is that it produces heat, which creates thrust. Propulsion, yeah. Right. So what they figured out is that to hide the the heat is where its engine is, like where it's producing thrust, it actually has a plate right back and behind where the exhaust is. Mm -hmm. So a series of tiles absorb the heat. So it hides its infrared signature by basically blinding it from the bottom. Like you can't see... The engines so that was one method that they figured out which is really good but what happened is these during um the kosovo bosnian crisis what these um guerrilla fighters figured out is if you know where the plane's gonna be mm-hmm. just point a missile there and it will eventually get it and hmm. what happened is is the f-117 squadrons in eastern europe kept flying out of the same base in italy so basically the soldiers just figured out where their flight path was going to be that day because it was the same flight path every time they flew. Hmm. So they just pointed a missile there and they fucking shot it down. So when this Nighthawk, which is still at this time, the only stealth plane in the air, yeah. got shot down, guess who got a hold of it? The Russians. And China. Ooh. They swooped in and they just did the same thing we did to the MiG. Is they just stripped it down to the bolts and just gave it back to us in a bunch of boxes. We will get revenge. Oh, wait. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> it's, did I mean, they, it's a classic. So did, did they make their own? What'd they do? So, so right now, it's still, it's still kind of funny because, like, a it's lot a of. It's, there's just a lot of secrets. This is everything's just a bunch of secrets. And you mean you mean you came on this podcast without having top secret top secret clearance? Your top secret access? I, if I Come on, mention now. this stuff, I would have <laughs> to kill every listener. And there's not enough bullets. No, I'm just kidding. Wait, so, say that again. I want to. I want to clip it. If you if <laughs> Kyle does not have, <laughs> I want to use that as a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if, if if I yeah if I mentioned if I mentioned these secrets, you all have to die. Yeah. And so what happened is that you you have this technology. There's basically like a fundamental understanding of this stealth technology because of 
a Russian scientist, any like the guy who figured out that if that if you're not pointed at the radar, the radar doesn't return. It was a Russian scientist. I forget the name. I could probably look it up in just a second. Um, a lot of these ideas eventually bled back to Russia after that F-117 got shot down and they just like pulled it apart like a goddamn sloppy taco. Hmm. But some of the materials are still classified. So even though they want to make like a stealth plane, the what's it called the uh, there's like a blade of tiles there's like these this actual skin of these because you you imagine like a jet is just like uh, maybe a car right like it's just steel and like you know a bunch of maybe plastic mm-hmm. um the actual quote-unquote skin of these planes isn't what you think it's actually like like say for example the b2 it has what's called a polycarbonate superstructure like just like centimeters below the actual skin of the plane are like a series of honeycomb it's a it's it's fucking nuts like the actual skin super expensive (laughs) and crazy to make but not just that but the surface of the plane actually sweats Hmm. like it dehumidifies it like it's it's nuts like the way you think about these machines they're not completely machines they're kind of like a whole beast under themselves like even the technicians that work on these things kind of think of them as like dogs or like like if you imagine like yeah. taking care of like a horse, like they kind of think about it like that because well, they kind of do stuff like among that. like you know, uh, there's like that kind of trope among like pilots and stuff, and it's like, this is my plane. We've been flying together for you know, she got a mind of her own type thing. You know, it's like there's yeah, yeah. yeah. She kind of puts up a fuss, but if you just treat her right, yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there is that kind of like weird camaraderie with like man in the machine. Totally. But when you like get up close to these things and like you can actually like see what they do, it's kind of fucking crazy. Dude, it is. And it's so, like the, the smartest people in like the smartest people in our country, the smartest engineers in our country all get together to make these things that are so complicated. I could never... I could never really know how they work, but it's all, what's, what's really nuts to me is this, when you engineer something like that is you just start out with first principles. You start out with one problem and then you make it, you know, you adapt and you figure out how to make it better and blah, blah, blah. And you do that through a, a million iterations. And what you're left with is just one of the most insane, interesting, terrifying things ever created. Well, it's almost like yeah, you can like do a bunch of experiments and trial and error, or you can just copy nature. Where it's yeah. like they're trying to figure out how to like cool this airplane down, and then you know sweating already exists. So what if right. we just make the airplane sweat? And they're like, right. oh, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Like yeah. our plane keeps overheating. Let's just totally make it sense. sweat. Yeah, and it's stuff like that. Like right now, like to kind of pull it back into like. Um, recovered aircraft mm-hmm. uh, not so much because Japan's an ally um, because the F-35 project is so expensive Japan who was um, an initial partner is like we're going to make our own plane and one of the submission kind of requirements for this new plane is it's supposed to have like 
a haptic feedback skin where hmm. like the plane it's the surface on the outside of the plane can detect where and when it's damaged hmm. or it like has like a central nervous system where it's like oh my right wing uh flapper is broken and so it does it then redirects and it's this whole concept where like machines are starting to be more like like living creatures yeah because of all this biomimicry we're engineering into them where it's like yeah like redundant systems like you don't want to have one pathway to the power supply so you create a whole like circulatory system mm -hmm. because that's already worked in nature and this and that and it's well, nature's the best crazy nature's the best example i mean we evolved to be a certain way and to exist in the world in an efficient manner and so when you're mm -hmm. looking at you know when you're looking at something like a peregrine falcon or um you know you're examining like the eyes or some of a, of a some nocturnal predator you're looking at millions and millions and millions of, of years of essentially trial and error and refinement until right. systems work and you know you see it on you know we we see it in ourselves where it's like we the the things that make us unique as animals our brains um the fact that we're bipedal the i mean these things are qualities that have enabled us to the, you know the fact that our gut can digest as much food as it can i mean we we lack in a lot of ways too i mean we can't smell that good our eyes our eyes are good but not you know um, not amazing like we have limits and to our eyesight our ears are not that great so yeah it's but just, they're, it's they're just they're just good enough because right. it's all been generalized but right? our brains right we can build things that take the best from from nature yeah and, that, and that's what's important is that these these different systems these different designs have been perfected over time yeah. and they work like totally. they're really really well yeah and yeah so there, there's that system where like the b2 stealth bomber like it fucking sweats mm -hmm. like it has all these interesting systems built in and and so to pull it back into the f-35 you have something that like so the actual skin of it the the actual like how, what you see physically is made out of a material that's classified hmm. it's 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 basically like what I what I can theorize is a certain form of what's called like carbonized rubber, which is the same rubber in car tires. Like car mm -hmm. tires are black because they've been carbonized. A certain amount of carbon has been injected into them, which makes them stronger, but also like stretchier. Interesting. And so these planes, what I think is what they're made out of on the outside mm -hmm. is carbonized rubber that's been infused with carbon nanotubes. Mm. So the entire surface, the surface of the plane has a lot of really tiny holes. And these holes are basically um, framed with carbons. So that way when radar waves hit the surface, they enter these holes and then they dissipate into the skin because that's energy and energy transfers so instead of having it reflect off mm -hmm. it just absorbs into it and because it's a form of heat radiation the rubber is kind of like what's the word for it? like it's it's malleable enough where it can absorb that heat radiation and not 
deform too much. Right. And and carbon crack. nanotubes too, from what I know about them, they're the fact that like it's kind of the same principle as, you know, if you step on if you step on a solid object, like you're the more surface area, the more weight is distributed around the surface area of something, the less likely the stronger it is. So it's like if you think of you know, like your, you step on top of a can that's had its contents emptied, but the top is off and mm -hmm. you are going to be putting pressure around the entire diameter, or sorry, radius of that circle. Now, if you were to step on something that was um, a different shape or something like that, then you, it would be less structurally sound. So the, in principle, you have all of these tiny, tiny tubes that are drastically uh drastically improving the overall surface area of this object making it stronger like you could like i guess I, i'm i don't know if that's making sense um yeah that makes of, sense yeah so maybe that you're, helps relieving, too with, you're relieving the amount of pressure on one surface to like spreading out all that energy right totally yeah it's like almost you can look at it to think of it like a like if you're squatting weight at the gym you want to think of your core as like something that wraps around your body to, to protect the weight on top of you or to protect you from the weight yeah. on top of you. But, yeah. That, that could be one perspective for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to imagine what these, hmm, I guess I, this is where I go kind of conspiratorial, but it's like, if all this is classified, man, someone's got to have, someone's got to have the T on this, you know, I don't know where they're at. There's, they're out there. There's, yeah, there's a lot of projects going on right now. Uh, I mean, there's, it's the, the, the stuff that the government, like the deep, deep government is working on right now mm -hmm. is we, we have no fucking clue what it's going to be. It's right. some crazy, like whatever you're imagining the government's working on right now, it's well fucking beyond that. Or just, it's, the, it's not. just this, whatever, whatever China is doing we are probably doing too and china's doing some crazy shit they just get it publicized they're making like they they get it publicized for sure they have the problem with china though is mm -hmm. that they are they are so big it's it's the not not only are they like behind us by a couple of years when it comes to just like development yet because they're doing a lot of corporate espionage the stuff right. that they aren't getting the stuff they aren't able to solve they'll just steal it and i is, know they're doing a lot of that. they're doing a lot of kind of like biological um like they're trying to take advantage of our blind spots like i know they're doing a lot of like biological testing and sort of like gene research and things like that and um yeah. like i heard a rumor that china was developing actually it wasn't a rumor it was a reported article but i can't remember the outlet they were talking about basically creating genetic super soldiers using CRISPR and a few other gene editing tools and things like that. Right. I thought that was interesting. Right. That, that is possible for sure. What, what I've been keeping track of recently is that Russia already has already developed a hypersonic cruise missile, mm -hmm. which is basically, I mean, we've had cruise missiles for a while. Like you fire it and it just keeps on flying. Mm -hmm. But you have to think about like, well, how do you power that? Like, how far can it fly? You also have certain points, like, will it know where its target is? Like, a lot of these logistics get lost in um, 
just the idea that we don't understand how these things work. We just think that you fire something, like say you fire a bullet or a rocket and it just goes somewhere where it's supposed to be. Well, there's certain important things like the curvature of the earth, there's terrain, there's mountains, there's things like, how do you, <laughs> listen, Yeah. yes, the earth is flat, but how do you fire around it? I'm just kidding. But there's, there's all these different concepts. And allegedly, the Russians are like, hey, we already have a hypersonic cruise missile. So we're thinking, holy shit, how do we defend against a missile that could be fired 80 miles away and hit a dime? So it's, it's, stuff, like, it's stuff like that, where although, yes, China has some pretty crazy shit, it's honestly, it doesn't really compared to what we already have or have been working on totally because they have been because to pull it back into the whole idea of recovered craft recovered vehicles although yes the chinese and the russians picked apart that one f-117 and now they have access to stealth technology they're only flying so the russians have what's called the su-57 which is pretty fucking cool. Um, God, what's his name? It has, it's called the felon. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. So what happens right. is NATO, when NATO names Russian fighters, they always start with an F. Hmm. There's the fullback, the fulcrum, the fox bat, the hmm. fish bait or fish boat. Like they, they to use the word F or the yeah words that start with F. Yeah. So Russia's first stealth fighter is by nato it's called the felon it's the su-57 it's fucking beautiful and the chinese they have their own which is called the j-20 and they're both really cool fighters the hardest thing though is that like they they have really old engines Hmm. like the actual engines on these fighter jets are pretty bad like they're not they're not they don't have what's called a good thrust to weight ratio which is basically mm. just like how much you can push something right and our our f-22 has a great thrust to weight ratio anything higher than one is awesome because that basically means you can move whatever it's attached to yeah. a lot of jets have a thrust to weight ratio just below one like the the f-35 is like point like it's like 0.70 something it's like just below one so yes it can go but if it's carrying stuff like bombs or people it can't go as fast Hmm. the f-22 could just fucking go yeah in fact one of the things that in the actual manual that they give pilots that just learned how to fly the f-22 one of the disclaimers in the booklet is like, you can basically just fly this plane however you want. You push it forward, it goes forward, you turn it left, right, forward, sideways, it just goes wherever you want it to go, which is why pilots that fly the F-22 love it. fucking love it. Yeah, They fucking love it. It's awesome. And then I all the Im- other planes. I could imagine like, that being a fighter pilot, I would feel pretty fucking cool and like justifiably cool if I was a fighter pilot, you know? 
like it'd be hard not to I, be sort of sort of like that's just such a job that's a tough job you know you kind of deserve you're basically it singing, do, you're basically seeing and doing things that nobody else in the world gets to see like you're flying at the edge of space yeah. going twice the speed of sound and nobody on the planet can fuck with you yeah because you like could I, see them it's it's fucking nuts like if i saw an f-22 pilot i mean granted they'd be like five two tom cruise height um <laughs> i'd be like i'd be like you know at the bar being kind of obnoxious give them a low you know, hitting, pot, like yeah hitting okay. hitting on hitting on some you know like a harem of women or something i'd be like oh you know who's that guy over there like oh he's an f-22 pilot i'd be like okay you he, know he flies a plane he's an f-20 yeah he's a, he's a, he could do that I, don't, I won't judge him but would you see him though would he also be stealth like maybe like the door and the the bar opens up and like a drink slides your invisible hand and <laughs> just disappears and you're like yeah it's that it's that poly it's that polycarbonate nanotube uh skin that he's wearing <laughs> <laughs> oh and another fact too is the uh for the f-35 every single helmet is custom made like right. if you are if you're chosen as an F-35 pilot, they like scan your skull and figure out the shape of the helmet. Dude, that is, that is because, sweet. Well, that's because the F-35 has what's called like a synthetic aperture system. Like mm -hmm. the entire plane, the entire F-35 plane is covered in cameras. So what it does is that um, while you're wearing the helmet, you can look through the plane as you're flying it and you can see everything around you well it's insane technology it's only infrared so it's not like true like real-to-life imaging but basically mm -hmm. like as long as your night vision or whatever kind of operating system that is designated for infrared you can look through the plane and so what happens is you don't have to point the plane at what you're trying to um, what your objective is you basically just look where you want your bombs, your missiles to go, and it goes there. Or any information you need to know is basically, it's VR. It's the VR technology that everybody can buy from Oculus or whatever, but it's made to kill people. <laughs> but it's awesome. Fucking insane. <laughs> like, it's, it's nuts. Well, like, just imagine, yeah. well, just imagine, like, most car systems nowadays, they have, like, their own versions of, you know, AI. You know, you tell your car, Hey car, play fucking blah blah on spot. Play Dr. Dre on Spotify, and your right. car just plays it. A lot of people don't like. They they watch stuff like Star Trek and sci-fi, where it's like, computer, uh, give me system data for blah blah, and like, oh, that's that's cool. I mean, I wish I had that. It's like you, you do, you do, yeah, you do. Your this. your phones are doing that. Your Siri, yeah. tell me tell me how many people are on planet Earth right now. So wow, almost eight billion. Look at that. Like all this information, like you can also link it to your car. I mean, a lot of modern cars, like 2000, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, all those cars have integrated computer systems. Mm -hmm. They're just doing that with jet fighters now, where a lot of it's automated. We're like, you you don't really have to do anything. The thing might even fly itself. In fact, because of the F-35 program, because it was so expensive, a lot of our allies that were in on the boat are jumping off of it. They're like, hmm. I'm not going to spend 
1.6 trillion for the lifetime of this plane when I could do something half the cost. So what they're doing is they're developing their own fifth gen fighters. And Britain is developing what's called the Tempest program. For some reason, Britain loves naming their planes after storms. Mm -hmm. Their last one was called the Typhoon. It's pretty fucking sick. Nice. But super nice. But their newest one, the, the Tempest, it's designed from the very beginning to be either manned or unmanned. Hmm. Where it's like you can either be a pilot and jump in and fly it, or if a pilot's not ready, they can just send the plane up and tell it where to go and what to do. And this also links into a current program that's being flight tested right now called the Loyal Wingman, where they basically just have a bunch of drones that fly with a manned fighter jet, and the guy in the jet tells the drones what to do, and then they come. It's awesome. That's it's amazing. Absolutely crew credible. But they're coming to a point where it's like, why do we even need pilots in the seat? Right. I would imagine that the few pilots that might be left in the next 10 or 15 years will be so few and far between or like so exceptionally talented that I mean, it kind of looks like the future we're staring at is just a video game type of future that everyone fights on joysticks and the people who get caught in the middle are probably poor uh, people from, you know, war-torn countries already. And us in the United States or China or Russia remains kind of inoculated to it in our own little... You have that asymmetrical warfare because you have, you know, uh, major powers that are fighting proxy wars because they can't risk fighting each other directly right. so you just fight weaker people and then well, like the, and you then you just develop earlier, the technology that you try and keep developing just, technology that keeps the that's okay. the incentive yeah well yeah. like you mentioned earlier about the one russian who realized the glitch in the system and he was like no i'm not gonna fire these nukes like not only is that like kind of a shitty situation with all these nukes because he probably knew there's there's no way the americans would fire all these nukes right it just doesn't seem right Mm -hmm. but also he had that humanity when to say no because if it was just a computer that glitch would have just triggered some doomsday device that would have just pressed the button anyways like you you at some point you have to have that human element in there to decide whether or not when it comes to that person, I mean, they aren't accepting the risk of having all of these lives on their shoulders, mm-hmm. but they've calculated the morals for it. Like right. they've chosen that path. And that's the one thing computers don't have. Computers do not have morals. No. Which is funny because humans have them because of things like religion and so on and so forth and yada, 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 ethics for sure. But it's way better than having a cold machine that has only two choices, yes or no. Yeah, or yes and or that's no. Way more t- that's way more terrifying. Well, and it's really, I mean, that's kind of, there's been a lot of people raising, like raising the risks of AI, you know, philosophers and thinkers like Sam Harris is one of them and Nick Bostrom is another mm-hmm. one. And they, they're kind of like sounding yeah. the alarm on artificial intelligence and to me, the risk of artificial intelligence is a, hu- a human risk. It's when you program and build these systems, unless you are accounting for every variable, you can have one of these systems 
go off the rails to us, do something that to us would be right because it seems to us illogical or amoral. Well, it's just the question. It could of, be there's super, a ton. It could, I mean, there, it could be super efficient. There's a ton of thought experiments you could do. It's like, okay, do you, you know, cars going down the road, it has to kill six old people or it has to kill two babies. You know, it's like, he, uh, you know, that's that's yeah. a uh, that's a decision that no one would want to make. But who knows? Because you think like, what if one of those babies cures cancer? <laughs> true or yeah or what, but yeah. then but then what if what if out of that group of people that you killed is a future hitler you know you you don't know you don't know but still well and you have to make a human, you have to make a decision what is more moral to me you know it's like it's it's a difficult decision there's tons of factors how do you program that in but that's that's what i think is way more important so i'd rather have that than a machine where you're just like yeah if a happens do nothing but if b happens kill mm -hmm. everybody yeah and it's just like okay yeah. yeah and then ultimately decides that like well if we just kill everybody we don't have to worry about a or b right and that's how that's how that shit gets out of control and i'm freaked out by ai i don't like i don't like the fact that i don't i don't like the fact that we're so confident in i don't feel like the systems that we make will all of a sudden like have some spark of divinity and and go and and but who i mean who knows who knows what the what if, uh, what if, singularity is? What if the is? AI? What if, yeah? What if what if singularity is utopia? Like what if what if the future brought on by AI is way better than anything we could have made ourselves? You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the, that that might be the ultimate fear. Is like what if we're afraid of AI that's better than us? Right. I mean, that's like, the problem with utopia, though. Is when we think about, I think it was Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky who said that if mankind had every one of his dreams and wishes fulfilled and all he had to do with all he had to do every day was laying around and making sure he continues the species by, you know, fucking is what he was saying. And that was the only care in the yeah. world. We, had, we would figure out a way to ruin it very quickly. And so I, I think that with technology, I mean, with AI, it's like, we're going to keep, there will always be things like, for example, diseases that can, you know, people suffering. If we can relieve suffering, then that's why we built a lot of these tools, ideally. But well, we, we fought off malaria mm -hmm. and smallpox. That's we true. We fought off smallpox. That's yeah. true. I mean, I think that I'm, I'm one of those people that kind of annoyingly likes to point out that overall things are much better than they were 100 years ago. It's just that a mm -hmm. lot of our fears and a lot of these things are amplified because of social media. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I still worry about really like the tech the, once, once all of our technologies are integrated in the same yeah. way that they kind of are right now with our yeah. phones and social media. I mean, that's, that raises a lot of like concerns. I think, I think what we should do is we should take all these F-35s and make 57s and we uh -huh. should blow up every single mosquito. I agree. And then. And then I think if we just have that common enemy, because that's the most important part, is if we, you know, get everybody together, we have to figure out what we all hate equally. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be mosquitoes. And if Dude, we just we get, get about that, we can get around to that. I wanna see like a fucking like F twenty two with like a big old like American Mosquito Red now. Cross logo. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, just a just a bunch of like anti mosquito missiles. And they just need to like go to the Congo and just bomb every mosquito. And you're like, 
yeah. get their fucking laser satellites they and drop, start just vaporizing they drop oil. They drop oil over every stagnant pond in the world. Or just destroy the pH balance and, you know, and then we're going to look back and like, hey, hey, dad, what's the most mos- mosquito? And you just like chuckle in your chair and and just laugh. Yeah, like, I remember. Oh, no. That's that's called the mosquito. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you about mosquitoes. They're like, oh, actually, never mind. No, no, another time, son. I'll, I'll tell you later. Another time. This is a an ancient story from your your pappy's generation, hundred years ago. The bug that no one liked. Ever, no one ever liked mosquitoes. I think that every, I think that's something we could all get behind globally. What are they? Like, I mean, dad, dad, have have you ever been bitten by a mosquito? And you're like. A couple of times, they're just like, "Wow, yeah, wow, wow!" There'll be there'll be exhibits to the mosquito. It'd be like the um, uh, Tasmanian they tiger. Make like, they make them like really big. They like make mosquitoes like three foot by three foot, <laughs> like giant, like harpoon faced fucking bugs. We're like, yeah, like and stop. Used to be hundreds of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, is there any like? What, is there anything else you want to touch on? We, I gotta, I gotta turn inside. Try and keep it under two hours. But I was wondering, is there any? What else is on Kyle's yeah. mind before we, before we uh, wrap it up? Well, I mean, the whole, the whole idea is to just kind of like orbit around this plane, that thirty-five. Yeah. And it's, it's, so, so the initial idea was just like how. Bure, how bureaucratically fucking crazy this plane is. Mm-hmm. So the F-35... There's so many know, stories it, in just this one, in just this one so aspect. Stories. There's so many stories. And you're... Yeah, and like, I, I could actually like do like a semester about this plane because there's just, there's so much shit. That Dude, I, would, I would come. There's just so, just so much shit. Um, to just like speed up real quick. So the F-35, the whole, like one of its main kind of objectives is, is trying to solve a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And it's also supposed to, it's supposed to work for a bunch of people. Mainly the idea was that it was supposed to be a plane that was supposed to be good for the Air Force, the Navy, and the Marines. So you just put on aircraft carriers, station on bases, it's supposed to like do everything, you know, uh, master of every, it's jack of all trades, master of none. And so the idea was that, like, so it's supposed to work for the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines. All three of those branches have their own requirements. The Navy needed to make sure that it could fill aircraft carriers, so they get a version. Mm-hmm. The Marines wanted an F-35 that can lift straight up, just like the Harriers. Hmm. If you don't know what a Harrier is, I've, it's I've basically played, played a college. jet. Thank you. Yeah, cool. <laughs> It's basically a, a jet that can fly up and then take off and then also land vertical. It's fucking That's nuts. Crazy. And then, you know, the Air Force just need a fucking jet. They're like, yeah, it can take off the runways. We're good. The hard part was is that the F-35 has one engine. It has like two inlets, right? So it sucks in, sucks in air through two different sources, but it only has one turbine jet engine. The Navy doesn't like that the navy likes two jet engines because if one fails the other can still work because if you're in the navy and you're flying over water and one of your engines fail you want to make sure one still works so you can just fly back home interesting and that 
So that whole debacle happened in the 80s because in the 80s, the, uh, the Air Force, the Navy, were due to competition between the F-16 and the F-18. They're basically mm -hmm. like, hey, if the F-16 wins, the F-18 wins, this is your new jet. Yeah. You can't pick both. You have to pick one. And the Air Force loved the F-16 because they're like, oh, it's cheap, it's fast, it's fucking great, but only has one engine. And the F-18 had two engines. So the Navy was like, fuck off, Air Force, we have our own jet. <laughs> so the Air Force bought a shit ton of F-16s, and the Navy was like, fuck those jets, and they bought a shit ton of F-18s. And so now we have the F-35, where the Air Force is like, hey, this is your new jet. And the Navy is like, it only has one engine. <laughs> so now the Navy is building another jet <laughs> damn can't so win. yeah well the air force got the f-22 air force should have priority that's there it's in their name the the funny thing about the air force is that everybody looks at them like the marines the navy and the army all look at the air force as these like super coddled motherfucking nerds because one thing that like a lot of people that of were like thinking about a lot of people that think about getting into the Marines, there's this whole um, fighter pilot podcast that I found that I listened mm -hmm. to. And a lot of guys that wanted to be um, uh, a Navy or Marine pilot, some of the people that are like, you know, in the Air Force were like, don't, don't go to the Marines or the Navy or because the Air Force, we have, we have actual beds and we have better food. And we're just like, oh shit, I want to like join the Air Force. They're cool because like the Air Force is a little bit more softer around the edges. They're totally. a little bit more. Well, they, get, they, get, they, get, they get to be the ones that fight. They don't have to be out on a boat sharing, you know, stuff into a cot. They're not with a... stuck with 300 dudes, just yep. a bunch of beer what happens, on the open ocean. What happens on the water stays on the water. They get to be in a nice military <sighs> base, you know, in a plane. Dude, I just want to be Man. like, I just want to be like stuck in like a bunk with like five other dudes just on the open ocean for like Sounds three great. months. That's why I can't wait for COVID to end. Awesome. I'll invite you and a few other people. We'll just have a big sleepover. I just want to play volleyball with a bunch of people shirtless. Like, yeah, how to, can I do that? Yeah, to a montage, to like a, like I want to film a volleyball <laughs> montage to an awesome corny 80s song, man. Right, I like check my watch real quick and just flex. I'm just like, yeah. Oh, dude, I I I, <laughs> I just walk around flexed everywhere I go. You know what the new classic is? You know what the new hmm. classic is? Is nowadays in the summertime, what you do is you lift your shirt up to like wipe your face off. You know what I mean? Oh You're yeah. Like, oh, oh, it's so hot in here. I love that like, move. And you just like blast your goddamn fucking beer belly. Oh, dude. Improve. You're just showing dominance in how many cans you can crush. Exactly. It's where uh, it's a real. It's the sign that you're an alpha male. The only. It's the true sign that you're an alpha male. Well, man. Yeah. That was really fun. Let's do another one because I would love to dive deeper into this, even further. Yeah, I have a bunch of material. I don't know if you want to do like a part two to like. Let's do it. Let's do it. it. Let's shoot. End. Let's shoot for like a couple weeks, and I'll I'll get this up and uh, let's yeah. Let's, let's ask the let's ask the listeners. Let's okay. ask the people if they want to get um, an F thirty five part two. Let's do it. They can go ahead and like and subscribe. Comment below 
hit the notification if, bell. Hit the um, notification. This is brought to you. We'd like to thank our sponsors, VPN, Express Network. Express no, VPN, Athletic Greens, Athletic Greens. Yeah. Uh, Blue Whatever, Chip. Yeah. My dream, my dream is a pod, as a podcaster. I know this this show will probably never go anywhere, but that's okay. I just want to, to get the uh, sponsors. I want to get the I want to get the all the Viagra sponsors and stuff. I just think it's hilarious. If if we can get Lockheed Martin to like and subscribe, <laughs> we'll do a part two. Let's do it. Let's do <laughs> if it. we can get the if, wait, does the Pentagon have like an Instagram? Oh, I'm to sure like, they do. Oh, what? Wait. No, I'll look this up at a different time. Yeah, at a different time. But, but <laughs> I'm sure they the, do, though. If we can get a shout-out from the DOD, we'll do an F-35 Part 2. And we'll promise we'll stick to the F-35. We'll not go off-topic off at all. No, it's fun to go off-topic. We went off-topic some weird places, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, and so we'll... we'll too. How about this? If the listeners don't want an F-35 podcast, they can fuck off and we'll give them an F-35 podcast regardless. And if they do want an F-35 <laughs> podcast, we'll give them an F-35 podcast. And we'll also talk about other secret government. Oh, yeah. We should have, like, jumped back into um, Area 51 a little bit more. Dude, I'm down. Let's, let's schedule round two because this is, this is right up my alley of interest. And I'm, I want to mine your knowledge more. What if it's like, what if it's like a trilogy, like a secret trilogy? Like, there's, like, F-35 part two, but then, like... Uh-huh. Part three is just like UFO, aliens, Bob Lazar. That sounds great. Gravitational. Here's what we can do: we can release part three after before we release part two, and then people will go, "Where's part two? And then you and I can say that our part two episode was taken down because of what we said in it. A bunch of yeah. There's a there's a bunch of people in hazmat suits, and they ask a lot of questions, and yeah, yeah. Sounds great, yeah. man. We we actually already released part two, but it's been redacted. It's been redacted. Yeah. 